Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison, and welcome back to the podcast. Well, August is turning into a stressful time for parents as we've had the announcements about back to school, some are doing in-classroom, some are doing hybrid, some are online. It's different in different provinces, and of course, some of you are listening internationally. Uh, Every area has come up with different plans, and most parents still really don't know the full scope of it, and it's been a tough decision to make. Um, But I have been following along in people's concerns on social media and the questions I'm being asked in the the media interviews that I'm doing. So I am feeling your stressors, and I wanted to address three of the questions that have been put out there that parents are struggling with. So the first one today to kick it off is, what should I be doing now to prepare for back to school and the new normal of social distancing? And... uh, Good old parents, always the planners, <laughs> because you know typically August is going through the old clothes and getting back to school supplies and trying to get our bedtime routines back on track and all that good preparatory work. And the problem is with this back to school is that we haven't really heard, most of us have not really heard what it's going to look like that the schools are mostly still trying to get organized themselves about some of the change rules. Now, some of you may have heard, others nothing, and it's frustrating because we do want to prepare. So let me just talk about in the absence of specific information, like I just heard from one family that um, they're at a school that 
they wear uniforms, but you know, suit jackets and ties don't get dry cleaned every day. That's too much of a challenge. So the uniform has changed. So that would be good, concrete change in direction and instruction that's coming. But a lot of us are really sitting in, in nowhere land. But the pieces that we do know for sure that we could at least try to cover off is that we know the basics that have been the same during all of COVID, which is we need to wear masks. Now, again, some schools are not going to have masks. Some are going to have it for some grades and some are not. But regardless, if you've been out and about with your kids, they need to have a mask and they need to know how to wear it and, and be comfortable in it for extended periods of time. So if you haven't, if you've kept your kid at home and they haven't had a mask experience yet, I would definitely say that's something you want to do. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, not all masks are the same in terms of the comfortability and your feeling, your perception of being able to breathe. So you might have to buy a couple versions to find one that is going to be comfy for the long run. I find for me, I need the material farther away from my nose. So I've been using just one of those disposable painter masks that has the wire bridge that goes over your nose. It just keeps the fabric farther from my face. And that's worked for me. But there's been so many. I know my daughters have gone online and they're having fashion fun. It's almost like Halloween costumes. They've got different ones for different outfits. <laughs> so there's very cool ones for kids with different patterns and whatever. So I would involve them in the in the decision making, get a couple to to play around with and something that they think is kind of cool. I've seen one with big fake teeth and smiles and some are silly. So you can have some fun with some variety there. Um, so I would get the masks going and practice wearing those for longer periods of time. I heard one family, here's a parent hack for you if it works. I had one family that had the policy that you could um, have game time. Because, you know, young kids and their iPads, too much screen time, we're all dealing with that. But the rule was, so long as you were gaming, you had to have a mask on. Now, of course, that's not really because you're worried about germ spread in your home, but it was part of, if you're going to do something longer, then uh, then you can start practicing the mask wearing. So uh, I don't know if that's something that works for you. That's the parent hack from somebody else going through what you're going through. Uh, but the masks, that's one big one that we need to start and, and uh, getting them out in public, wearing those and getting uh, uh, accustomed to people's reactions to them. And, and again, most of the reactions I usually try if I see a little kid on the street when I'm out and about in my daily life to say like, hey, I love your mask. Oh, that's such a cool, I love the pattern. So that they're getting a positive response from wearing a mask, uh, giving them that little positive feedback. So at that piece for sure. Regardless, we're going to have to cover off with our kids. Another one is, again, hand washing, which we had before. But, you know, we always talk about the idea that that kids who are needy and in the service of adults are more demanding kids. And we want to always work on trying to create more autonomy, more self-sufficiency skills. That's good in any situation. So I would review the hand-washing protocols, the amount of time, whether that's you singing happy birthday in your head, reminding them to get the fingertips and up to the wrists and in between the fingers and all that great things. You might want to review that. But it might also be a, a kid who hasn't actually learned how to pull a wipe out of one of those pull packages and rip it off or how to open up the little gel containers of hand sanitizer and be able to squirt that on their hands. The more they can do that independently is going to be better. So if you haven't taught those skills, that's another great one that you can work on uh, this last month. And I think the one that's going to be the hardest is the social distancing. And that's because it is 
difficult for kids to estimate and overcome impulses and develop new habits of impulse control, new behaviors around what is somebody's personal bubble space. You know, what does six meters really look like? They're not good estimators. They haven't practiced. At least for us, think about it. How many places have you been to where they have the little circles with the footprints on them, six feet apart, or lines designating, you know, the space that you need to leave before you approach the checkout counter? They're helping train us around what six feet looks like. We need to do the same with kids. And the best way to do that is, again, take time for training. We can't expect them to go in with these competencies. We have to train for these competencies. And rather than putting it on the teachers who are going to be very stressed with all the the new demands put upon them, it's going to be helpful if they have kids that are more trained around what that six-foot mark looks like. And so I've heard other people talk about, well, what else do we know that's six feet long that might be a good reference point for them? Or putting hula hoops out on your yard, and each person can stay in their little hula hoop, but the hula hoops are six feet apart so that they get an opportunity to actually see and experience and know where those boundaries are quite physically before we remove the markings and expect them to be able to navigate the playgrounds or whatever it might be. They no doubt will have markings in the classroom, but we don't know. We we, we can't train our kids. Your desk is going to be, you know, in this part of the room with this tape mark around it. We don't know. Are they going to be in the library? Are they going to be in the gymnasium? We don't know whether they're going to have carpet time and books There's so many things that we don't know yet that we can't be expected to prepare our kids for things that we really don't know yet. I think we can tell them that it's going to look different, but that we don't know either, and that we will tell them as soon as we know, because I'm sure they want to sort of make a mental rehearsal. But we need to really, if we've made the decision that we're sending them back to school and we want to help our kids mentally prepare for that, then the emphasis can be on that while things will look different and it's not going to be the same as previous years, there are some things that for sure will be the same. Your teacher will be there. You will be learning interesting things. There will either be some of your friends or new friends to make so that you're going to be social and there is going to be fun things to do at school. Some things will not be happening this year because it's not as safe as in previous years. But you don't need to worry because the teachers also understand that you don't know. So nobody is expecting you to know because a lot of kids are just worried like, what if I make a mistake? What if I flub? What if I embarrass myself? What if I break the rules? And I think we need to just quell those fears and let them know that as we know, we'll share with them and their teachers will be sure to tell them. And some of that training is going to end up happening after we have more information. But start having those social distancing play dates and first with supervision. And then you need to sort of remove yourself a little bit further, a little bit further, maybe go inside and get a popsicle and look out the window and see whether or not your child uses their own self-restraint to stay put or see if when they get excited and the ball goes out of zone, do they break the rules because they're now distracted by the rules of the game instead of the rules of social distancing. And it's not that when we 
notice this, that we need to shame them or punish them. That's, you know, if you've been following my podcast and anything in Adlerian psychology, those are never helpful responses. But they're just learning opportunities. And so you might just say, oh, you know what? Why don't you just come in, take a break? We'll try again in a minute. It looks like you got distracted with the game. But I want them to have that feedback that they want off bounds, and they're going to have to work to increase their attention span to keep in the top of their mind not only the rules of the game with the ball, but also the rules of social distancing. And um, so unless we give them that feedback and have a little reset, you know, come on inside, try again in five minutes, or let's try again tomorrow. It looks like it was hard to play with your friends while you were still learning about space and distance. That's okay. Always an opportunity to try again. But we need to give some sort of feedback that that play is over without the shame. So I think those are effective things that we can be doing now that'll be useful regardless of how things are starting to play out. And um, and I'll have, as things start to unfold, I will share more as it, <laughs> I'll share more as it uh, comes to light for the rest of parents. Question two, any tips to make homeschooling better than it was in the spring? <laughs> so again, not everybody has opted to send their kids back to school. Some people have decided that their family situation is such that they can stay at home and there's no right or wrong in our decision making. We have to look at our individual factors for weighing pros and cons. So um, for those people that are homeschooling, I think they have to appreciate that when we went for, here in Ontario anyways, March break, and then the pandemic and the lockdown happened, you know, we the school boards had to try to make some kind of a response to get school started as, as time was going on. And I don't think they had the amount of time to put together a package or a program that was optimal, but they scrambled together to try to be responsive. And I'm forever grateful for that. I, I would, I really do feel for those people that are putting in an effort to try to work this out, that as much as we can talk about all the shortcomings, uh, you know, we also have to understand that there was also limitations on those people too. And uh, maybe we would have made different decisions, but now we've had time for more planning. Is it sufficient planning? Probably not. But again, we're going at this again, trying to make something available to parents. And that could just be for for your family, um, unschooling. You know, I just listened to a podcast with Alanis Morissette. She's part of the unschooling uh, group of parents that are tackling education in a very different way. Uh, there's already a long history of homeschooling for parents. And um, there's homeschooling associations and homeschooling support groups. And no doubt we're probably going to, whether it is organized for us or whether we take the initiative to to find a whatever Facebook group or a school PTA group, I think we're going to find ways to get together and have common experience and, and find supports for those that are opting for homeschooling. In terms of like making it better then, I think you're, I just want to give you the opportunity to be flexible, to work with your family and to use what they're offering as some sort of a guideline, but feel free to kind of deviate from it. It's it's all new. It's all being invented. It's all being creative. So however that looks for you, it's about giving yourself constant feedback, 
to be iterative and to not feel like you're failing, but just to say what's working, what's not working, what part of this package does work, and what part do I need to modify? And maybe you'll make your own hybrid model. Maybe you'll decide that, you know, it works well for math sheets, but your kid's better doing projects for some of the other types of learning. There is tons of educational apps and programs and games that teach concepts. So if you can find the curriculum and think about alternative ways that teach the same concept, for example, Let's Talk Science has a wonderful website. And on that website, they have cross-referenced every grade with the curriculum requirements of the province, and then they have created their own online modules with videos and other great graphics and interactivity around science subjects. I am sure you could find something in other subject areas as well, but you certainly don't have to feel limited to what the school is providing. And I think the other thing to remember is that a school day typically is 9 to 3.30. But over the course of that time, there's the lunch period, there's recess, there's transitions going down the hall to the library. There's a lot of socializing and extra time that fills that day. And if you're at home, you can't expect a kid to be learning reading, writing, and arithmetic from 9 in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon. That the length of the school day will be a lot shorter. And in fact, countries that have shorter school days and more outdoor time have better academic overall performance than what we seem to have in North America, which is in our attempt to pursue higher educational goals, we seem to keep extending the school day and then pushing more hours of homework. And all of this is proven to be backwards. And we just can't seem to get the research findings to trickle down to change in policy. So if you now have the freedom to structure your day where they're engaged with the learning, it's short and sweet, it's interspersed with other outside activities, family social times, maybe another group of friends that they're bubbling with so they get their social component, you'll come up with a formula that works for your family. So don't be too tainted by the failure of how first we launched this back in March. I would try to come at it with fresh eyes and permission to customize something for your family if you're going to go that route. Third question. I want to send one of my children who's in grade two back to school, but his sister is in grade six and has a learning disability. So I'm thinking about homeschooling for her. Is it okay to make different choices for different kids? Well, in this particular application, we're talking about making two different choices around schooling. But the overarching question is really about, do you have to equalize things always between your two children? And I know that we somehow think that maybe one of them is going to think things are unfair or somebody got ripped off. And so we tend to want to make this fair equation in families. But in fact, fairness leads more to comparison and competition. That instead, as parents, 
We want to reframe how we make decisions in the family. And if we can look to a more abundant type attitude rather than a scarcity attitude and to say that there is a lot of ways to to learn. There's a lot of ways to spend time with mommy and daddy or mommy and mommy or daddy and daddy that there's ways that we can get all your needs fulfilled in the family and no two people have exactly the same two needs that part of being a responsive parent is to say we're going to look at what are the needs of the situation and so for somebody in grade 2 who is able to follow rules who is at you know lesser opportunity for the actual transmission of the virus whatever it might be that you're weighing out your equations you might have somebody who's really missing their friends and somebody else is an introvert and anxious about going back i don't know what the factors will be In this case, she's talking about a learning disability. So if that decision is a good decision for her grade 6 student, then she doesn't have to feel compelled that she keeps her grade 2 son home so that they both have the same. I would say they have different needs of the situation. Just like if one kid is sick and they get medicine, you don't give medicine to the healthy one. So it's really individual, and we need to reinforce that as being our reference point. It's not giving favor. And there might be something that son in grade two needs more of. He he might need hours of you throwing a baseball around because he's really active, and that's his passion, and he needs more training. So each child is considered individually. So please, Don't feel badly if it's um, different kids, different decisions. They might mumble and groan, but if you continue making your decisions from this framework, they will learn that it is not them being ripped off. They are getting their needs met in the family. So I hope that's helpful. Please keep sending in your questions. Let me know how COVID is impacting you, what your burning issues are, and what would best be content on this podcast to help you through. Until then, take care. Happy parenting. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code 
Jewelry. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 